Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Thanos the Theos, a podcast for youth and student workers committed to reaching teens with the gospel, featuring conversations ranging from comics and culture to theology and youth ministry. Thanos Theos is part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which includes Ask Alice, the Rooted Parent Podcast, the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, and the Rooted Conference Podcast for all your conference content. Rooted Ministry is focused on advancing gospel-centered youth ministry, so if you want to learn more, check out the website, rootedministry.com. I'm one of your hosts, Clark Phobes, and here are my co-hosts. I'm Mike McGarry. I'm Kevin Yee. And we are back after uh, a hiatus of some sort, a mini hiatus. We... Um, like i feel like we have to apologize for this like every month um but thank you for hanging on (laughs) at some point your apology doesn't matter anymore yeah i mean i know let's just acknowledge that we're the worst yeah and move on yeah we we suck at rhythm so um if you're listening and you're still tracking along thanks for your patience thanks for tuning in again um we are across not three different time zones but three different cities so it does make our planning a little bit difficult sometimes. So, um, and we're as wide apart in time zones as we could be. Well, that's technically not true, but we are. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Such an awkward apology. Uh, you can I just know. Cut that. Get grovel, it. grovel, grovel. <laughs> so, in the last episode, we had talked about gaining some listener questions so we could do a giveaway for our most recent. Thanos Athea swag, uh, our 2022 limited edition black t-shirts with the the logo on the front, front and center. And so we've been gaining some questions. We are going to hold off and give it one more episode just because we only had one in the last month. Um, so we'll have one more episode. We'll announce the giveaway the next one. Uh, so if you want to enter for that giveaway, uh, keep sending us your listener questions. We're going to do a whole mixed bag of listener questions at some point uh, with those. So we love getting those. You can Email us those at thanosatheos at gmail.com. Shoot them to us at Twitter or Instagram at thanosatheos. Uh, and should we also up it a little bit, guys? Like, I was kind of thinking if we do, if people leave like a podcast review, should we give them five entries? Whoa. All right. Dang, I mean, someone's feeling generous. So long as it's a good, <laughs> it, you, you get as many entries as stars you give us in our oh there it is yes i like that so yes someone's gonna say well we will bribe you for your podcast that sounds good so so you know if you want to give us a five star rating or review on uh, on the (laughs) podcast you will get five entries if you want to be true to yourself and give three we'll give you three entries so we'll be true to ourselves too be lying because it's five Yeah, why do you assume that people who are true to themselves give us a three? Yeah, come on now. I don't know. I Believe don't know. in your product, Mr. Phobes. <laughs> so, uh, so let's do that. If you want to drop us a review, uh, we'll, we'll add that up into the totals. Um, you will have to leave a written review. Otherwise, we won't be able to track when that came. So we'll start tracking those as of the drop of this podcast uh, until the next one. So, um, So with that, we wanted to just... Just give a little teaser and do one. So we have one question. This comes from uh, Cooper, Instagram handle Iron Colugo. Uh, he's got a very nice Iron Man logo as his um, as his avatar, as a profile pic. He sent in this question, what character would you like to see in the MCU that hasn't appeared yet and why? Well, All I'm right. I'm going to go first. Okay. You go yeah. first. That way I can take the character that I think you guys are going to say. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, the character that I want to most see in the MCU. So this is somebody who has not appeared in the MCU yet before. Has been in other movies, but I can't wait for this person and this character to cross over into the MCU. Uh-huh. And that would You're be... You're going to say Cyclops, aren't you? No, Wolverine. No, Wolverine. <laughs> Cyclops. Uh, I'm just kidding. Lame. Wolverine. That's lame. why I said Cyclops. Yeah. Um, Which we know now he will be. He so be. that is the thing. How do you guys think that's going to work out? Because we know they've already announced Deadpool 3 is happening. Yeah. Deadpool's going to be in the MCU. And as Wolverine's is going to be as is Logan. So the idea is, do you think they're going to multiverse this? Or do you think that they're just going to do the third wall breaking? Deadpool's going to do his own thing in his own little corner. And he'll just acknowledge the MCU as a side thing. That's the thing I'm most yeah. curious about. I do wonder how they're going to pull that off. Well, because um, it's not like they is, announced that anyone specifically no. from the MCU has been in the movie. So. They have not, yeah. I, my guess is the latter. It's going to be fairly standalone. Um, but what I think they're going to do is because they can now acknowledge that's been part of the MCU, I think those guys are going to have a cameo in a future film, whether it's like Kang Dynasty, Secret Wars. Um, Secret Wars. They're, they're definitely going to be pulled in. But yeah. I also don't think they're going to necessarily directly link them immediately because we've known for a long time Feige wants to do mutants and if they do that with uh Hugh Jackman he said like this is his last I mean he said that before so he could be lying <laughs> I don't believe he yeah I don't know anymore. but the dude's getting old he knows so how many more yeah. yeah I just think I think they're gonna recast young for uh Logan in the MCU in our MCU earth 616 or whatever so yeah so you think it's gonna be old man Logan that appears in Deadpool? No, I think it'll. I think it'll be him in his prime. I think they're gonna old man Logan because it can't be old man Logan because he dies in that one. Yeah, yeah. he already did. So it'll that. be like in between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this would be pre old man Logan. Pre old man. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. so. Yeah, I hope that they bring back what's her name, Laura Kinney, um, uh, Daphne Keen. I hope they bring oh, back who Daphne played... Keen. Yeah, 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 yeah. To be Wolverine, I would not be completely surprised. If they bring her back as the Wolverine for the MCU, for the, oh, oh, she's wow. older now too. Yep, she's a teenager. Yeah, she's eighteen wow. from the get go. Yeah, as opposed to Logan. Yep. Oh, that'd be so. There's cool. a wol- adult Wolverine out there somewhere, but they're just not focusing on him. That's cool. Yeah, no, I don't want that. But I would be sad to not. Have, <laughs> I would be sad to not have Logan in yeah, the in, in the mainline of MCU. Want, I want a short. Um, Kevin Feige, please make <laughs> Logan short. Yes, yeah. I want a short. He needs to be like buff. five five or under. Like yeah, yeah. Needs to be someone short and like wide, like just a short, yep. stocky dude. Stocky, yep. hairy, yeah, stacked, <laughs> very hairy, yeah. Yep. So yep. not Danny DeVito. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. That's that's a very helpful clarification. Someone like a Tom Hardy when he played Bane, he was a little short for Bane. Yeah. But I think he would have been great for Logan. Tom Hardy, but too bad he's Venom already. Yeah, I love Tom Hardy. Anyways, all right, Mike, what about you? Which MC? I'm I'm really torn actually between mine, and I um. I was obviously thinking Wolverine, but I knew Kevin was going to say Wolverine. Of course. Um, so I, oh, I, I'm i struggling here. Um, I think I'm going to go Magneto. I'm Ooh. really excited. 
to see what they do. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) Professor Magneto. All right. Um, I'm really excited to see what they do with Magneto in the MCU. Um, I think he is going to be like a Loki type of character. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Magneto. The first few, the first few appearances, he's going to be the bad guy, and then they make him sympathetic, and he's not actually a good guy. But kind of, <laughs> um, but not in an anti-hero kind of way, just kind of a gray. Yeah, I I love I love everything about Magneto. And as we've discussed in previous episodes, I think a good villain is just incredible. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and this is also part of why I love Wolverine so much, because he is that. He's not yeah, a just, villain. No, but he's gritty. He's gritty, yes. He's the right. gritty hero. I wouldn't even call him an anti-hero. Yeah. No, no, he's yeah. not an anti-hero. He's a hero. All, but he's he's a hero, but he's broken. Like he's such a flawed hero. Yeah. Um and I think Magneto is a flawed villain, like because he's not actually a villain, but he is. <laughs> you know, so Oh, he, he mean, totally He is. means well. He's a villain, but he means well. Um I don't know. Yeah. I'm rambling, but Have you guys yeah. have you guys uh, My heard? answer is Magneto. Have you guys heard of the potential casting for the MCU's Magneto? I've heard uh, so that many. That they're actually that they're actually yeah. looking into making Magneto potentially a black character versus um, I have a Jewish that. character. I but have. Yes. I think that would be. Yep. I, It'd I be don't int- love that. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting, given but, what they've done with Black Panther. I agree. Which we're be talking I agree. About, I think that but, that's. I think actually yeah. it could work really well because even uh even when like Stan Lee talks about the writing of those like the juxtaposition of Professor X and Magneto, he had in mind like this this difference of civil rights between Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. Um they're yeah. meant to portray the two different camps, one very violent and one trying to be a bridge builder. Yeah. But as as Kanye reminds us, there is still very much a present anti-Semitism um, that needs to be addressed. That a that character like Magneto, um, I, I just i I think we need to be socially aware and racially <laughs> aware. But I I don't want to lose, want to lose the heart of that. I don't want to lose the heart of Magneto's Jewish consciousness. I think well, that I would mean, be. Just, a, I do think that would be a loss. The the depth of the background of like being a Holocaust survivor is yeah. just yep. insanely complex. Yeah. So yeah. That's why I thought like, the casting you... announcement, I mean, yeah. they haven't made any casting up, but the casting rumors I thought were really, really interesting because the, uh, the Holocaust was such a long time ago. So how do you right. take Magneto's character and do that arc unless he's like well, crazy old, but I mean, again, he's a mutant. So m- in terms of like, just yeah, age yeah, slower. yeah, yeah, yeah. Age slower. Yeah, yeah. So they can definitely do that. Yeah. We've already seen that with Namor, who's like <laughs> exactly. 500 years old. Exactly. So, which we'll get into. So, yes. Okay. I'll give mine. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll jump into black Panther, Wakanda forever, which we're focused on this episode. Um, I, so I'm torn because on the one hand, you guys all mentioned mutants and we've been teased mutants for so long. I would love to see Cyclops done well. Oh, um, that's funny. I said him as a joke. You did, but because like he's such a weenie in the Fox movies. Like I you just don't like it's him. True. It's like true. I 
Was anyone rooting for Cyclops throughout the original <laughs> Mutant X-Men movies? Like, I don't think so. Oh, he was man. just so lame compared to Logan. Yeah. Uh, he's a weenie. That's that's what I call him. But um, but because in the comics, he's so like, he's kind of like another Magneto type character, um, especially in like AVX and beyond um, after Professor uh, X dies and he's more the leader of the X-Men. So... I think there's a lot they could do really well with that to do justice finally to him as a character. But I think when it comes down to like, who do I actually want to see? <laughs> um, it's Miles Morales. I I just, oh, I love that yeah. character so Ooh, much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. teased him multiple times. Um, I just, I know they're going to do it. And I just can't wait uh, for that to come out just because I, I love what they do in the comics with his, his wrestling with his, like identity being Spider-Man, similar to Peter Parker, but there's some added layers being Puerto Rican and black um, in, you know, in, in New York. Um, but I just think the writing, the the source material for that is so good um, that it's just set up to be a really good character arc for him. So, yeah. Do you want him to follow um, Peter Parker who no one knows anymore? Or do you want them to coexist together? Uh, I I mean if they if they could do it in a similar fashion that they did in the comics where they coexist at one point and then eventually Peter Parker like either does phase out and die or or is just you know lays down the mantle like they did in the comics I think that'd be that'd be pretty heart heart or not heart throbbing gosh <laughs> it would pull on the heartstrings you know um, it would pull on the heartstrings where like you have that yeah. older brother mentor figure. And then you also have the loss of like losing Peter, but then this hope with Miles. So I mean that that story arc makes for an incredible trilogy. Yeah, and oh so there's there's rumors that Tom Holland's signing on for another three. I have so heard that. It makes sense to me that the first one, that that would and be the second it. one, and the third one are all about sort of developing. Miles. Yep, Miles, yeah. and then eventually have him taking over the mantle. Uh, see, but like, Peter's still so young in the MCU. I mean, that's is. true. He is. Like, I would but love to see a after full No Way adult. Home. But after No Way Home, you can't have him be a, a. There's no such thing as a solo Spider-Man movie anymore. The the stakes are so high that you're gonna have to have just a, some I mean, somebody unless else. They treat it almost like a reboot because they basically rebooted his character in the MCU. Yeah. And then they could I just. I think re- they could do it. They, I think they could do it's it comics. too. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> I just, I will say, I wouldn't like it if they did that because it would feel like, dude, we've been here, done that. Like, give us something more, you know? Like, we've I think already they could had do that. I could, reboots. I think they could do a solo Spider-Man movie with Andrew Garfield, but I don't think they could do a solo with Tom Holland. It, it needs to have the, He's gonna have to have somebody. Either that, or or Ned turns on him, you know, and it then right, 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 right. a personal story, the you know, storyline. Yeah, well, maybe. they're definitely gonna do that yeah. now because like yeah. he doesn't remember Peter, yeah. right? And like there's just just gonna yeah. be this whole journey That's of yeah. people, him trying to figure out how do I get my friends and my family to remember me, um, and Ned in that process, Ned will turn and become Hobgoblin. I don't know. So I think there's so much they could do with that. Anyways, yeah, this is not That's a Spider-Man true. episode. <laughs> Every episode is a Spider-Man episode, Clark. (laughs) So, Coover, thanks for the question. Great question. Uh, As you can see, we talk about this for far too long. Um, So let's move into the meat of this episode, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. It's been out about two weeks now at the time of our recording. Um, I just have to leave it open. What are your guys' initial impressions and thoughts? Because there was so much anticipation for this film. I thought it was incredible. I loved it. Um, 
I went with my young adults group, uh, including hey. Cooper, who sent in our question. Hey, hey. Cooper. Oh, nice. Um, so, um, yeah, it was it was really wonderful. Um, I was talking with someone earlier in the day before we went to see it about you know his skepticism, and he's not a super MCU person anyway. Well, um, why do you even want? But and they were like, character. you know, well, what do you even do? Like, how do you honor Chadwick and and T'Challa? And it just seems really clunky and muddy. And there's just so many ways that it could go wrong. Oh, um, I was like, yeah, that's true. There are there are a lot of ways that but you could just make not. it like sentimental, <laughs> saccharine. Um, but I, I really thought that it was just a really compelling and beautiful and meaningful film about grief and personal character development of of Shuri's journey and um, the community grieving and culture moving forward in the midst of the loss and it, I I thought that it was incredible agreed I walked out and I was like holy smokes I can't believe that I just saw this movie um, it does such a good job of I think being cathartic um, but at the same time, um, utilizing all of that, um, how do I put it? Like just the messy emotions come out in the movie. I mean, the movie is not a perfect movie by far, yeah. but the way that it interweaves all of the different storylines, the just the shock of the things that happen in the movie too. I mean, yeah, it's, it's definitely um, emotionally a, a total and complete roller coaster. But going into the movie, I mean, the trailers made people like cry and tear up, you know, and so like <laughs> in the in the theater, like with that, the way it opens, sort of that that chaotic scene where um, Shuri's trying to save T'Challa's life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you were just like sucked right into that space of like, whoa, like this is so chaotic and this is so. Well, and it just brought you right back to the reality of like, yeah, that happened. Uh huh. Uh huh. Like he actually died. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go into the uh, purple Marvel Studios logo. Um, that's all dedicated silence. to yeah, oh, that dedicated was to T'Challa. Oh, that was so uh-huh. moment of silence. Uh-huh. Yeah, and it was so appropriate, right? And, yeah, like was. our silence was just completely yeah, like, ours was quiet. Too. Like you could hear yeah. a pin drop. Like it was. Yep. It was definitely everybody in that moment, collectively in the movie theater, was having a moment of silence for Chadwick Boseman, and it was it was cool it was very that they did that. Yeah, that was very appropriate, yes. and so you just you just felt in a weird way like the the cast, uh, the director Ryan, like there's a sense in which they're like we love Chadwick, we love T'Challa, and y- you can trust us with where this yeah. is all going. Like I really felt that from the get go. Yeah. Um, and then the the movie itself, like I said, it's not a perfect movie by any means. It's way too long. <laughs> We've been complaining so that the other two MCU movies this year too have been short. too short. Yeah. Uh, there is an argument to be made that some of the runtime from this one could have been cut and given to yes. the other films. Um, but at the same time, I don't know what I would have cut necessarily um, because I, mean, I loved all of it. I mean, I thought it was yeah. just, yeah, I thought it was, the whole thing was just well done. Like they had so many challenges going into this. And I thought, given all the ways that the cards were stacked against them, uh, I mean, I, I think they pulled off a phenomenal movie. Yeah. I mean, all I agree completely. The only thing I'll probably add is like the fact that I would, after I watched the movie, I was like, I can't believe they completely tossed and rewrote the script after his death. And that, because yeah. they had just finished yeah. the script right before he died and had sent it to him for review. 
and then like three weeks later he died um and then the fact that they came up with that i was just kind of like amazed um i think for me like the whole film felt like this whole tribute to chadwick boseman but not in a way where it was like overdone or like it got old because you're like how could it get old like this dude actually died in real life you know it's not like it's not like Iron Man where like he died on screen, but you know, he's still alive. Like it just felt so appropriate the way they did it. It was a very different MCU film, like even just from a movie watching experience. I think because that was a shadow over the entire film, they left out a lot of the humor that you usually get in the MCU. And um, which is just funny. Cause like we were talking about with Thor love and thunder, how that was like the most silly ridiculous jokey mcu film we've ever had and like it was stupid like none of us no one liked it but kevin uh, kevin's the only one that liked that um and then you have the polar opposite here with wakanda forever where this was like the most somber film i think we've ever had but it just felt appropriate um so so i agree with you guys like i just i didn't really know what to expect i knew it was going to be a tribute to him and i was just so happy they did it justice I do think like there were definitely moments as I was watching the film though, where they would be these long shots focused on a character or, you know, some of their um, facial expressions that I thought were meant to lead to something else, but it wouldn't. <laughs> and those are some moments where I was like, ah, you could have trimmed there. You wouldn't have gained a whole lot of time back, but that's, that's where it felt a little bit clunky to me. Some of the editing could have been a little better. Uh, to trim it down and make it a little bit more seamless. But yeah, well, um, so sh- should we just dive in with our infinity rankings first and then go on to, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. So, so given we all had great, um, immediate responses to this, what are, how would you guys rate this? Like on our six infinity stone ranking plot, character development, action or visual effects, MCU, concert connection, theos connection, and the wow enjoyment factor. How does it rank for us? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first because um, we know Kevin's going to give it one solid down the board. I mean, Kevin, um, yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> you don't even need to explain yourself, Kevin. Yeah, we do. All right, well, I'll, I'll give Kevin's rankings one, 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 one. Um, six out of six. So um, I'm not that far off, though, to be honest. So for plot storyline, I'm going to give it one. Um, I thought that it was really good, especially with kind of what we were just talking about, the emotional weight um, and the ways that it could have gone wrong. I don't think it did. Um, so I'm going to give it the full stone there. For character development, I loved what they did with Shuri, but also with M'Baku. Yes. Um, and yeah. so for their friendship alone uh, and the, the big brother and sister type of uh, thing going, um, yeah. I... I loved that. I wish we saw a little bit more character development from Namor from his interactions with um, with Wakanda, but I, I guess that's why he was the villain. Um, for action VFX, I, I gave that one. For MCU connection, I only gave it half a stone, um, but I'm guessing we'll probably want to discuss that later. Uh, for Theos connections, I gave it one, and for the Wow Factor, I gave it one. So I'm giving it five and a half stones. Wow! As I mock Kevin for uh, <laughs> I know being I know. very generous. Yeah, Kevin yeah, is I thought it was pissed good. right now. <laughs> like, you I, so hypocrite, Mike. Yeah. I am exactly the same rating as you, Mike. Oh, um, well, for hey, the exact same reasons. Yeah. Um, just because I like action and visual effects wise, this. 
this was just such like a relief after the <laughs> after she like oh, oh, God, yeah. I don't even want to say the name of that property <laughs> after the train wreck of She Hulk. And we got this back. I was like, okay, like this is what we've come to expect from the MCU. Um, I, I will say, like some of the action scenes left me wanting a little bit. Yeah, like they weren't as drawn out or as well choreographed as we usually get. Um, that's not to say that it detracts from it for me. It's just like I think when the Midnight, uh, what are they called, Midnight Angels? Yeah, come in like they have these really cool, awesome action sequences that last like two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> like, I actually I thought like, the oh, best fight scene was between Okoye and Atuma the, on the bridge. the bridge. That was incredible. Yes. Where that they're fighting so with the good. sword and the spear. Like that, that was, was, yeah, that was, yeah. She, the, the actress did such a good job. That was, really that was the good. best fight scene of the movie. Yeah. For by sure. Far, hands down. By yeah. far. Hands down. Uh-huh. Um, so I, that, I that wish was the, one thing. the beach fight scene was a little disappointing. Yeah, oh, I just all Shuri the other ones. Yeah. And Namor? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, I agree. It, was, it felt a little rushed. Contrived. Um, yeah. Um, so that's the only thing I'll say, but everything else was just phenomenal. And then the MCU content connection. So, I mean, maybe we can pause here a little bit because we both gave it half, and then Kevin can tell us why he obviously gave it a one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, so okay, so Mike, why why half stone? I'm not even gonna let Kevin tell his ratings. Um, I it, just it, think that <laughs> I, I'm not necessarily because I think that there were obvious places where they could have done more. Just the story itself was very Wakanda driven. Right, um, right. I do think that there could have been a cameo or two at T'Challa's funeral. I think it was strange that no one. No other MCU people were at the funeral, and I, I get the pri- the secrecy and privacy and, and everything of of Wakanda and the traditions and all that. But I mean, they let the Avengers in for the battle at, um, against Thanos and and everything. Like these people have been to Wakanda before; they've fought alongside and died yeah. alongside Wakandans, and then yeah. T'Challa dies, and not a single person is at the funeral it, it was just it it would have driven it home a little bit right. more if there was a little bit more solidarity um that's the only place where i was like eh. yeah i mean compare tony stark's funeral at endgame yeah. everyone was there yeah, yeah. i mean because especially whenever we see funerals in the comics like they all it's always show everyone up. um and that's where i was thinking like who else would have been there though but i think like Bucky, Bucky, Barnes, Bucky yeah. would have been, been there. He 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 lived there for what like a year or something. Yeah, I don't yeah. know the entire timeline, but um, yeah. Any anything else, Mike, for the content connection? No, that was the main thing. So so my main my main gripe, I'll say, which is not a gripe. It's just like I I thought they were gonna go a different direction, and maybe that's why I gave it half. Is it was so contained with um Atlantia or uh, what do they call it? Talokan, Talokan and Wakanda that I thought it was going to be bigger. Like it, it was going to include other world powers more, you know, because of this whole, like Fra- France was involved. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those dirty French. Oh, I also um, thought the giant celestial sticking out of the ocean would have been mentioned by, you know, uh, the ocean people. <laughs> 
you guys that, I, I forgot our about oceans. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. They it doesn't exist for them, just the same way for us. That movie does not exist in the MC. So Yeah. I remember all... also thinking like really, they're not even gonna mention the giant <laughs> sticking out of the earth. No, I think for me it's more just the fact that like they intentionally kept it so contained and did not include anyone else but Ross and um Valen- Valentin Valentina. Yeah. Um which like I I get why they did that. I just it didn't it didn't make total sense to me that it would be so contained where no one else was included except this new character Ironheart that they brought in. Uh, which I love that they included her. I think it will have a lot of MCU connection for the future, but I I think again like you said Mike, it just felt it just felt like this this wouldn't be that contained given everything they've gone through um with the Avengers and surrounding world. So well, I'm going to go ahead and give right. my rating right now, okay? Well, we don't need it's to hear it. The Ken. same as you guys. I actually what? docked them for the MCU connection. Wow. Yeah, so it gets, so it gets half you. a stone for the MCU connection. Wow, Kevin. And it's not because I wanted more. Actually, for me, it's the opposite. I feel like if you're going to connect this to the MCU somehow, it should have been connected to someone that Black Panther had had, a relationship uh, had yeah really something like that because yeah, 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 there yeah. are that exists previously already and in terms of like who would show up i mean he fought alongside them in infinity war i mean any one of the heroes yeah. could have shown up it would have made that's sense all I'm because yeah yeah, yeah so yeah, i agree yeah. with you on that one so that's a big one but the second thing was the the only times i wish the movie would uh, could have cut some fat would have been the ross and valentina stuff which were kind of weird and awkward. They were, yeah, a little weird and awkward, and it was meant for humor and stuff. But at the same time, Ross comes out looking like a moron. Yeah. yeah. You know? And yes. we're supposed to see Valentina as this... I don't know what we're supposed to see. She's Her character's very confusing, and it just distracted yeah. from the story. We don't really know much more like, about her than we did beforehand. Yeah. Well, yeah. except that she's a director, presumably of S.H.I.E.L.D., no, she old, or of the CIA. No, or she of comes what, out as the right? director of the CIA, which not was a, not what we what we thought she was going to be. But that's what she is she reveals. the director of CIA? Yeah, I that's what she says. They never explicitly with... say. No, no, no. But is no, she a director of a subdivision it. within the CIA or of a special unit just, within the CIA? Well, yeah, I thought she's just. They don't with really the CIA. make it clear. No, I thought she said she's the director of the CIA. No, they just address no, they just her call her director. But either but way, they never explicitly yeah, say yeah, what she's the director of. Either way, in the of. previous in her previous appearances, you don't know which organization she's working for. Right. And then it turns out she's working for the U.S. government. And I guess, I don't know. I mean, I guess you were supposed to be like, the U.S. government wants vibranium and this is going to set up some stuff for later movies or whatever. But honestly, I I didn't care. (laughs) Like, The stakes between um, Talakan and uh, Wakanda were set up enough that I I don't care about the the U.S. involvement in in any of this. Right? (laughs) It was very easy to brush off. Yeah, it was too easy to brush off. And then on top of that, that's what also makes the the, all that stuff with Riri a little weird. Because okay, so as as good as this movie was, the the other part that I thought was a little messy was uh Namor's uh motivations. Like why does he need to have Riri killed and how does that necessarily stop these countries from mining for vibranium yeah. in the ocean or whatever you know like they already have the technology and actually i think riri says in the film like i wasn't the one that built that 
So there's now yeah, theories floating the around that she gave them the right. blueprints and it was somebody else that built it. So yeah, right, we're right, talking right, right. like this could be a setup for someone like Dr. Doom. This could be a setup for Reed Richards. Richard, Reed yeah, Richards, it could be yeah. a setup for anybody else down the line. So that stuff was a, was oh, a little The messy. engineer, huh? It was. The engineer. <laughs> the engineer returns. thought. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> Who ended up being no one? Yeah. <laughs> was it just, just some, some like, like background person? character? <laughs> I was like, hey, the engineer's Asian, but they don't matter. <laughs> uh, yeah. And anyone listening, that's a reference to WandaVision um, way back at the beginning of Phase 4. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Feels like forever ago. It does, it does. feel it like was. forever ago. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, overall, yeah, I gave it uh, one stone for everything else. Wow. Same same as you guys. Yeah. Um, wow. I gave it a full stone for Action VFX because even though there wasn't a particular like standout action sequence, I thought like the way Talakan looked was amazing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Water yeah. is really difficult to do in CGI. Yes. And yes. they did a really good job, I think, with it not making, real. yeah, with not making anything particularly look super fake or whatever. Um, so I was pretty impressed with that. I, it was it was definitely improvement over the first Black Panther, where uh, some of the fights they would start to look like rubbery figures. Uh, so <laughs> they they definitely stayed away yeah. from all that. So I thought that yeah. was I thought that was great, and I love the, the world building. I mean, yeah. the fact that they're going to be doing a Wakanda TV show, uh, Disney Plus show, probably centered on Okoye, um, is pretty cool. Like I want to explore Wakanda. Like those scenes when. Uh, uh, the Telekanil the is invading Wakanda for the first time, and you see like the water like rising yes. up from the like yeah. that stuff was yeah. so well so done. Cool. Yeah, it was so cool. It was so cool. I mean, there were so many cool things in this movie uh, yeah. from a stylistic standpoint, and I just yeah, I can't. I actually, when I first saw the movie, I was like, oh, I don't think I could watch this again uh, anytime soon because just emotionally, it's such a journey. Right, but it's so long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so long. But there's a there's a couple it's been a couple weeks now and i like i want to watch it again for sure yeah yeah so okay so let's talk about i mean that's amazing this is our first time ever probably we have a unanimous rating at least one that wasn't a six six i think yeah. we all gave yeah. uh, spider-man no way home a six out of six <laughs> yeah that's um, true but one that wasn't a six out of six this is the first one yeah. where we're unanimous in it so that's that's amazing um well job ryan Coogler. yay job hey. well done ryan Coogler. yeah well done. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about Namor as the villain, because there there was some uh, there was some like you know uh, yeah pushback or whatever like about Namor as a villain about him being like this big you know Latin root um, Mexican heritage figure Mayan fi- heritage figure now as the villain like it set up a whole race of them as villainous people um, but. And then I think, Mike, you mentioned you wish you had – was that Kevin? I forget. You wish you had a little bit more of his backstory. Like, yeah, let's just talk about him more a little bit. I just wish that um, – I don't know. I, I thought the flashback scenes were really well done. and I, I don't know. I just – I feel like throughout the movie, he didn't really have much character development. I felt I felt like from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, he's the only one who didn't who didn't see change at all, and maybe that's because he's going to be an ongoing antagonist. Um, but which is appropriate, to yeah, well, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So the, I'm, it's not, 
I, I'm saying it like it's a criticism, and I guess in a way it is, but it's more just kind of me processing and thinking it through. Um, it just seems like he and Shuri really had like a a moment, like let's go burn yeah. the world together. Um, <laughs> in some ways, it's kind of like, heck yeah, I could, I'd watch that. <laughs> like, dude, that was that was that was good. Um, but then in the end, he's like, uh nah, just kidding. That's fine. Well, yeah, and I think I would agree with that. I I I really liked what they did with Namor. Like, uh, you know, Namor is how we know him in the comics. But I really like how they switched up his backstory i think we were talking about this before and i told you guys i was really skeptical um because i just wasn't sure what they were going to do um but i really i thought they did it really well like it was steeped in history it made sense like when they came up as these blue people i was like what the heck like okay (laughs) so they're aliens um but then they explain it with the blue plant that was infused with uh, vibranium like okay like I like I get that. Um I think I agree with you though, Mike. Like I, I loved how they brought him on the screen full force. They gave his backstory, the whole the gaining of his name, like the child with no love, um, the just trauma he saw with his village being burned and um, you know, the conquistadors coming in and killing everyone. But um I think for me it was similar where like I, I like the interplay of him saying, let's burn the world to Shuri, because that's how Shuri yeah. feels, right? Yeah. Like, she wants to do that. And that's so clear in her vision of um, uh, Michael B. Jordan, her... what? Her oh, uncle, yeah, that I was guess. awesome. We like, haven't really oh, talked about that yet, either. We haven't talked... And, like, I can't believe that was kept that under was wraps incredible. the whole time. Yeah. Like, I was just shocked. The entire, was like, oh, the, the entire theater just gasped. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, I thought they played on that really well, where she's, like it was almost like she's saying like, yeah, we should burn the world. But I do agree. Like it felt like he was a little bit more villainous than he was torn and complex. Like he usually is in the comics. Yeah. Um, Like it just, he just went full villain super fast. Yeah. It just (laughs) seems like, it seems like they under emphasized his character development at the expense of Shuri's character development. Right. And I just wish that and, they did both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but that's and one of the did... themes of the movie is revenge. And so, okay, so here's something. So I had to step out because the movie was so long to use the restroom. <laughs> and I stepped out right after um, Nakia's character shot one of the Talakanil to rescue Shuri. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I missed the part where Namor finds out or Namor finds out that one of his people were killed. Yeah. So the idea was... I missed that scene, but I figured, oh, he's going to make him mad. And then I went to the restaurant and came back, and he was like, I'm going to get the Wakandans. Um, So did you guys feel like actually having seen that scene, did you feel like that wasn't enough justification for Namor to turn against the Wakandans? Uh, It felt kind of – I mean, I understood it, and like Shuri – Shuri was trying to save her, right? Because she was saying nothing good can come from this but war. right. So she understood the gravity of it, that like he is such – but it just it painted him as this like intensely like hateful vengeful person where one time one person dies and he's willing to wage war and lose the lives of hundreds more of his people to go to war with Wakanda like it just it painted him as a very like kind of dictatorial type of person yeah. um yeah but i don't know i mean i feel like 
the I know he's an anti-hero in the MC uh in the comic books. But I mean from the get-go his introduction like uh on the the ship where the the US government workers come on the yeah. helicopter and you yeah. first are introduced to them and they they're singing that song oh, and so people creepy. are walking off the bo- yeah, the, so the ship into awesome. the ocean like that was incredible but there's no part of me that was like ooh these are the good guys like, no no like, way it was set up like a horror movie yes you know and then they're trying to escape from the the with the helicopter and that's when you get introduced to and Namor and his, his winged feet. Um, he just kills everyone. <laughs> yeah, and he just like that's it, and they're done. Uh, and then again, on in Wakanda, they they sing that song, and then those those workers like jump off the uh, edge yeah. uh, of the the palace and all that stuff. Like I was just like, this guy is such a great villain. I really hope they don't kill him at the end. I really yeah. hope they they yeah. let him be in other things because yeah. he's incredible as a villain. I do agree. I just. It felt a little bit like too full villain too fast, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't. It's a. I think it's a mild criticism for me. It's not like huge. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, largely yeah. throughout the whole film, I was just like, he's so good. Like, well, and is, his retaliation was yeah. extreme. I mean, if 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 it the was purpose was yeah. like one for one, I mean, it was and, one person for the queen of for the queen, yeah, right. which was. I did not expect that. I did not expect that we would have to be dealing with another no, death in the film. Me neither. That was crazy, and I think that's what made the weight of this movie so emotional. It was like, whoa. Yeah. I can't believe the the queen is dead too. And maybe that's why. Like, if he didn't kill the queen, I wouldn't have felt that much. Like, I've been like, okay, that's like kind of justified. But the fact that he killed the queen, like, it was just like, dang, dude, you're ruthless. Yeah, I don't know. That's true. Um, by the way, Angela Bassett needs an Oscar for her performance. Oh, oh my, my gosh, word. yes. That oh yeah. That speech to Okoye. Uh, Okoye. Yes. As as much as it like. Like I felt the pain mm-hmm. of both of them in the yeah. moment. Like, I was like, "But it's a koi. She's been loyal her whole life," and then it's like, "But dang, yeah, she's lost everything." So I get it. Yeah, I don't think there's much else to say about that other than that was a wow, wow moment <laughs> in the theater. Yeah, there were so many scenes in this movie where people were just silent. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah. one of the the quietest movie. It was. Yeah. Like for a premiere for Marvel, a big Marvel premiere that yep. was that full, it was That's just true. silent so many times. Yep. Can we uh, talk about the ending before we get into our Thanos topic? What about? Well, <laughs> so they said they weren't going to recast T'Challa, liars. But right. they did. But they did drop a bomb. Like, why wasn't Nakia around after Black Panther one? Right. Well, it turns out they had a she child. Was pregnant. Yes. So they had a child. Yes. T'Challa the second. T'Challa, yeah, T'Challa Jr. Uh, now exists in the MCU. Um, as soon as she was like, I have someone to introduce you to, I was like, oh, okay, this is happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I actually really like the idea. I, I actually think that it's it's such Me a too. great way. Because we talked about before, man, the fact that you're losing T'Challa as a character is that right. really the best way to honor Chadwick Boseman? And I think what the the line that they ride here in this film is perfect. It's perfect. T'Challa's son. That makes sense. Well, and I I felt I felt like okay, I don't know about you guys. I love Shuri's character development. I left still unconvinced that she can carry this mantle of the Black Panther by the end of the film. Like I I love what I I like, and I agree that she should have taken it up for this movie and done it. 
But moving forward, my biggest question was like, can she like carry the weight of that? Like both as her as the character, but even just as an actress, like as an actor in acting skills, like I'm I'm just I'm not convinced. So the fact that they introduced Chala's son kind of leaves the door open. So I'm not unconvinced of her acting skills because I think she just was Yeah, I phenomenal. think she knocked it out of the park. Um I, I have nothing critical to say about her acting skills. I think she can pull it off. I just her body is her body. I mean she's she's a small <laughs> she's a small little yeah. person. Um so I I think that she can portray the Black Panther and you know, with CGI and uh yeah. choreography and stunts and, and all they can do stuff but chad the black panther has to have a certain measure of intimidating presence right that i, I guess... just don't think she is capable of having yeah. so i i love that she can portray the black panther um for another movie or maybe two or whatever and then eventually have t'challa well, and I guess that's kind of what I mean. Maybe maybe that's what I mean from her acting standpoint. Like, she just doesn't carry the gravitas that, like, Black Panther's supposed to carry. And, like, I'm not convinced on screen that she's really as capable of, like, kicking butt the way the Black Panther should. Not just from her body, but just, like, the way she, the way she acts as a person, her character she's been as Shuri. Whereas, like, in my mind, I was seeing, like, dude, Nakia should have been Black Panther. Like, she is such a force in Wakanda like she is strong she's like this infiltrating spy um like she just has carries this weight of her as being this like warrior which Shuri is yeah but far from she's it. just a different type of Black Panther I think yeah you know, I, I, I think just, that's yeah. it, it, because Shuri's not T'Challa she's not trying to be T'Challa yeah like, even her even her Black Panther costume is uh, I'm interested in seeing how well, they portray that middle line between yeah. Killmonger and and T'Challa as the Black Panther embodied in in Shuri. I think that I think that lends itself to just a different storylines and different resolutions. Um, but I I'm really happy that eventually we'll be able to still have like T'challa. a T'Challa and Storm wedding um oh, yes. and all those storylines <laughs> that we have in the in the comics um oh uh, yeah it's gonna be I mean, awesome. it's gonna be a while because the kid's young yeah that's fine but like hey, i mean five the years later 10 years yeah. later <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, right it's fine but based on the storyline like how old is his son like six seven yeah he looks to be maybe mm-hmm at, at most, I think they said maybe, six years, maybe five. Yeah, just okay, put him in a chamber, age him quickly, <laughs> shoot him up with make some, some Wakandan bogus super soldier serum. Yeah, something, whatever. Oh, hey, he just aged a decade. There you go. <laughs> and now Nakia and him are the same age, and they're fighting. Against I don't each know. Other. I I I kind of disagree that we need to have like a T'Challa like Black Panther. I think so. One of the cool things about this movie for me was that like. Wakanda Forever feels like an endgame type of film in the sense that there's all there's this corner of the MCU that's that has these incredible characters that I want to see again and again and again. 
You know, it's not just that I wanted to see Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. Like, I want to see Shuri. I want to see Okoye. I want to see M'Baku. I want to, you know what I mean? Like, I want to see all of them doing more things. So, yeah, she's not the same. And I think she brings a more Spider-Man-like quality to the yeah, hero part of Black it. Panther. Yeah. Um, and but you know but then you know there's someone like Mbaku and you know he's the king now of so Wakanda. Shaper so not I, necessarily. Yeah, not necessarily because he may not take the mantle. But I mean, let's Maybe, be honest. But... This is a synthetic heart shaped herb. Like they could mass produce this and sell this at CVS if they wanted to. Like <laughs> <laughs> you know. So well, but they replanted by the end of the yeah film. yeah, yeah. that's true that's one, true so. but i'm just saying that like it is the, right, the world right. opens up there could be multiple black panthers they you know. could be very well and there are in at various points in the yeah comics. and i think uh mbaku could definitely be another type of black panther like um King. yeah i mean there's there's whole whole storylines that we could yet mine about what the next films could look like um but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to revisiting Wakanda and whatever stories they're going to give to us um, in, in that world. Um, but yeah, the ending, I loved it. I really thought the way that they changed where everybody is from the beginning of the film to where they are now. So where Shuri is now, she's not the queen or she's given up her throne so that she can deal with and process through her stuff. Nakia is with her son in uh, Haiti, and then you have Mbaku who's taking the throne. You have uh, Namor who has got this tenuous, tenuous relationship with Wakanda. It's a truce for now, but you know he's like, well, eventually they're going to come for them, and then that's where we're going to pop up. Uh, I, I don't know. I love all that. Like I thought that was such a great place to end uh, the film, which, which leaves you wanting more stories. But at the same time, everybody has an arc. Right. Like they go through that arc. And I thought it was so cool because even like, we didn't talk a lot about M'Baku, but I loved he doesn't get a ton of screen time. He doesn't get enough screen time in this movie. Um, but his arc is great. Like he goes from being this guy who wants to take over the kingdom, be, being a little bitter that he lost, becoming a friend of T'Challa and then becoming essentially sure he's older brother figure. Uh, it was yeah. so good. It was yeah. so good. Was like, awesome. like, and even that first scene when he comes in eating a carrot, <laughs> that was incredible. That was just, hilarious. It's so good. Like, it was like, so oh small, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. He's the did I read king, somewhere so. that he improvised the that, you, the carrot chomping? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah. carrot well, chomping and the you bald headed yeah. demon was improvised. Yeah, was it? I, I mean, because so. I had heard he improvised the um. <laughs> The monkey grunts at Ross when they're in his kingdom in the first. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <was> like, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. improvised, and I was like, that is just like genius level yeah, acting. He's so good. I want to see more of him. But that that um, when Shuri first shows up as Black Panther and they're having that conversation in Mbaku's throne room, and he's basically like, he wants to protect her. He's like, are you sure you want to do this like for your sake? Like, oh, I thought that was so good. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. so good. Like Well, and the camera angles were on point. Oh. They made him just look, made him look huge. So <laughs> massive to her tiny little brain. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And yeah. Well, he's trying to protect her, right? Yeah. Like that's that's his whole motivation now. It's yeah. not let's win. But it's is this what's best for you? Like if you decide yeah. to do this, we're a hump, we're behind you a thousand percent. Yeah. But at the same time, is this what's best for yeah. you? I so back to the T'Challa thing. I just got to say, like, the fact that they ended that and then the lights came up for the end credits. I was like, 
dude, come on, that's not fair. Because <laughs> I was like bawling. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I just that whole interaction, even when like she says, "Who are you?" She says it in the um, the Wakandan language. I think it's like Ngani or something, which like uh, Killmonger says that, or they say that to Killmonger, and it's not just like, like I just there was some depth there of like it's not just like what's your name, it's like who are you, and the fact that he says I'm T'Challa like son of t'challa prince of wakanda it's just like oh oh like and it just hit me so hard in the heart just from a language cultural standpoint like all that was wrapped up with that so i'm like sitting there bawling and the lights come up i'm like dude (laughs) that's not fair that's not cool (laughs) yeah um so that i just thought that was beautifully done the way that shuri has that like ngani like who are you Mm -hmm. um yeah all right, so we're like fifty something minutes in. Yes. Um, let's get to <laughs> let's the get to some the youth pastor side <laughs> of the movie. Uh, what? How can youth workers, parents, etc., um, watch this and have meaningful conversations with students about it? Um, one of the one of the themes that sticks out, obviously, in this film is uh, Shuri's journey of faith. So there's that conversation that she has at the Wakandan beachfront or the lakefront um, where the elephants are. And uh, there's a uh, Wakandan tradition of grieving where you burn the funeral clothes. Um, and they have this incredible conversation where Queen Ramonda is basically like, I feel T'Challa. Like, I can feel his presence. And mm-hmm. she's basically like, no, that's it's just, just a, yeah, that's just a construct <laughs> of your mind to make yourself feel better. And she has this, and the way Queen Ramonda responds is so good. She says, um, well, if it's a construct, what construct are you using, right? Does it bring, does your construct bring you comfort? And I remember sitting in the theater and just being like, I need to take a note of that line because that's something we need to talk about. Because I think the response, I mean, it's, a, it's, I mean, they're both grieving in their own way. But I love that she stands up for her faith in a very clear way. Um, but not antagonistic. Yeah, it's not antagonistic, but she's asking Shuri, okay, well, if that's if I simply have this construct for dealing with my grief, what construct are you using to deal with your grief? Um, and I thought that was such a good line. But I mean, but that, that is the theme for her for the rest of the film. Yeah, that right. that question rings in your right. ears for the rest of the movie. Right. And I thought that was such a good way for us to understand what Shuri's arc is going to be, which is why it's shocking when she takes the heart-shaped herb, which she created, right? Like at this point it's her intellect, it's her technology. Yes, like that yeah. is what gets her to this place where she can have this thing that she needs. But then when you take the heart-shaped herb, what happens? Is it a construct? Do you actually go somewhere? Does something spiritual happen? And then she gets to the throne room that's on fire. I mean, just visually, I was like, dang, the <laughs> symbolism crazy. here is yes. oh, so stinking good. So good. And you have her turning the corner of the throne and it's freaking Killmonger, right? Yeah. It's and... like she goes to hell and meets the devil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really, though? Yeah. I mean, that is. I mean, yeah. Right? Right. And and his his speech to her there is basically like, you need to take on my worldview in order to get right. stuff done. Right. And there's a part where you're sitting there going, you know, he's not totally wrong here, right? Like it's kind of appropriate that her anger, her desire for revenge, 
her her uh, grief, like all of that gets her to a place where she wants to see Romanda, right? I mean, that's her expectation that she would see one of her ancestors. And I think that was my expectation too, that oh, yeah. she would yeah. see Queen Romanda. But right. it's it's where her... So uh, I saw the film with our, our mutual friend, Rebecca Heck, and she was texting with me this week and was just saying like, I'm still thinking about this movie, but she was saying like her heart posture at this point is that she wants revenge and destruction and that's mm-hmm, who she yeah. sees. So yeah. she sees Killmonger because that's what she desires yeah. in her heart, even though in her mind she wants to see Ramonda, for example. Well, and he even, Killmonger even said, you know, I'm the one you wanted to talk to. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm the one, one you I'm the one you uh-huh. asked for. Yeah. 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 So that it's that underlying heart desire that what she really wants is, is revenge and destruction. And I was like, man, this is, it's so explicitly clear and yet done in such a beautiful and clever way. I was just like, mm-hmm. dang, this movie deserves everything. Yep. <laughs> like, because again, she just wants to burn the world. She just wants to burn the yeah. world down. Yeah. I mean, she might as well, well think, have seen Namor, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what's interesting too is like, so I feel like the the journey of these movies, like a big theme that, and Ryan Coolers mentioned this, is this exploration of like African cultural traditions in the modern world and so that was very much the first film right Mm -hmm. it was Mm -hmm. t'challa figuring out like how do we honor the the elders our culture our heritage but but also acknowledge we are part of the modern world and so i feel like we saw t'challa become that bridge builder between tradition and modernity um whereas shuri was always kind of like just the techie right and i think there's even i forget who says this somebody even tells um Shuri, like, don't just bury yourself in your technology. I like, think Mbaku says that, right? Mbaku yeah. says that, right. That's right. Yeah. After her mom dies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he's trying to get her to, like, embrace the tradition because there's so much, like, healing power that comes with that for them in their beliefs, which is religion. Yeah. Um, and so, it, to me, it kind of left this question open at the end. When she goes through that rite of burning the clothes, like, did she come full circle back to the place where T'Challa was? Or is she a little bit different because she's just been in this like tech world, and I I feel like she hasn't like oh interesting I feel like yes okay. she's redeemed a little bit where like she has acknowledged the tradition but the fact that she doesn't take up the throne to me that was kind of symbolic of like she's not gonna be one that's gonna lead Wakanda in the way of tradition so she can't be the leader oh see I didn't take it that way yeah I didn't so either. when they were fighting on the on the beach and had that mm-hmm, very contrived mm-hmm. fight scene <laughs> and um I mean, it was just so frustrating and yeah what? but that uh, that fight scene was just I thought so it was pretty good I, I thought mean it was so when she got stabbed did you did you predict that that was gonna happen I didn't know I, did. I knew I was she like, wasn't Whoa. gonna die they're not gonna uh, kill. okay they yeah, can't they kill weren't... her too come on <laughs> anyway all right no go on. of course she wasn't gonna die um but like when you know, she hears her mother saying, show them who you are, right? And it, right. just that calling you yes. into who you are. Um, coming from when she when she comes out from taking the heart-shaped, or, you know, who did you see? No one. Just nothing. Right? Just still, like, fighting and fighting and fighting the spiritual draw of her culture and of her tradition and of how she was raised and now she has the opportunity to have what she wants in the flesh and she hears the voice from beyond calling her 
who are you, Shuri? Right? Show them who you are. And that was her deciding moment to show who am I? And she could have killed him. She could have burned the world, right? I mean, and when she exploded that thing, I mean, I thought like, oh, he is, that dude's dead. Um, that, that, I guess that was that was yeah. that was the only thing on the on the beach scene that surprised me. Is it like when that when whatever it was wow, exploded, <laughs> when that engine exploded, I thought that that was her killing him. Um, but then while she was holding the spear to his neck, um, I thought that was kind of like her conversion scene and I mean, obviously mm-hmm. she's not her brother she's not trying to be her brother yeah, yeah. and her mom's not calling her to be t'challa she's saying show them who you are so she's just gonna she's gonna be a different type of character than her brother and i think that's yeah. good and fine but when she rejected the spiritual she had no means for processing her grief she had no means for forgiveness um and she she discovered forgiveness and grace and peace through embracing the right. tradition the spirit realm and uh, the, the spiritual reality yeah. of, of that yeah i think that's that's, that's evangelicalizing how i that scene a little <laughs> i don't bit. i don't know i think i think it's there i've, I've I heard a few there. others i've i've I heard a few other part. you know non non-christian podcasts kind of even say the same thing of yeah you know, oh yeah there's yeah. a lot of faith here and, and i think i think what it. sells that is the fact that she went to haiti and decided to do a very yeah. personal yeah. ceremony of her own, right? So it, it is her own version of the, the Wakandan tradition, the Wakandan spirituality. But she's definitely changed in receiving it and saying, yeah. this is important to do. So she's not yeah. denying her spiritual roots anymore, is, is right. the sense that I got. And that's how yeah. you know that because she gives up the throne and she does this as if to say, like, this is what I need to do now. I need to focus on the spiritual because this is a part yeah. of my life that I haven't had. Yeah. And it's almost I'm like I not... can't be the I can't be the queen of Wakanda unless I do this first. That she recognizes. Oh, I don't see that at all. Oh, that's that's <laughs> the way I took it. Man. Well, because she gives the throne to Mbaku. No. Right? Why yeah, would she I mean, do that? And I, I don't think I don't think that's her right of process to come back and say, okay, now I'm ready to be queen. I think she gave up the throne legitimately. Yeah, like, I don't think I'm, she wants I'm never to be queen. Be queen. Oh, yeah, and yeah. No, I, no, no. I'm not saying that she wants to be queen again. I'm just saying that that's one of the reasons why she gave it up is because she's not the the spiritual leader that she she feels like she can be she's right now. She's not that traditional. Right. She's not that traditional. So she gives it to Mbaku, who, who definitely, I think, is more, quote unquote, traditionally Wakandan. Because now she appreciates yeah. the tradition. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, no, so, so that's what I'm kind of saying, though, is like, I don't think she's fully there. Like, I don't. I don't. I think the journey we see her take, it's definitely a re-embracing of her tradition, but it's not in the sense of T'Challa, where he's like fully embracing both. Sure. I think she's okay. still okay. a little bit distant from tradition, and I think that's like her ending of not being the queen is like a sign of like, I'm not. I can't lead Wakanda because I am not going to follow all these traditions. I'm not that traditional. Like Mbaku definitely is. And I think tied up with that is also her spiritual journey. Like, right. I just don't see that she's like. But fully I think that's. Back. But that's what I find so compelling because I think that is. I mean, w- we have all served in in ministry for long enough, and that's how deconstruction works. I mean, how many do we know who have deconstructed uh, from their faith, walked away, and then reconstructed, and their faith isn't what it was before. Um, yeah. You know, and it's not necessarily even what we would recommend, but they they have come back to the gospel. They have come back to faith, 
but it's a bit untraditional. It's a bit different from, you know, maybe what we discipled them into. Yeah. But they have reconstructed something, something of a meaningful yeah. of a meaningful yeah. faith, not just a heretical faith, not of, you know, it's oh, it's like second tier faith. Like they no, they're they're believers and they're growing and maturing and they're not done yet. Yeah. But they're in process and they've come back. Yeah. But I also th- And that's yeah. yeah. Sorry. That's kind of how I see Shuri too. Like she's she's totally deconstructed after T'Challa's passing. Mm-hmm. She's reconstructing a little bit. I think she's learning to embrace bits and pieces, but she's not going to fully come to re-embrace the tradition of Wakanda. Like I just maybe we'll see that later down the line, but at this point like I would not like to use the Christian terms, I would not say she's back in the fold of of the church of Wakanda, mm. uh, so to speak. I thought it was interesting too, that, so when they showed the Marvel studios logo that was, uh, dedicated to Chahal, I was like, okay, that makes sense. Right. And at the end of the film, there's another silent montage with T'Challa, with Chadwick Boseman, right? Right, right, right And I right. thought, I was like, whoa, I wasn't expecting this, but then the more I thought about it, the more it made sense that this is the point at which, we get a sense of like what she's thinking about and her memories. And it's all this, like it's all her, it's, it's the older brother scenes, right? That's really what she sees. And it's this idea that because she's willing to go to that place, she finally gets to see him again. And I thought that was so meaningful in terms of this idea that you can't deny your spirituality and have this kind of like connection and deep meaning um, with, with, with your past, with, with people who have passed away, like all that, like, I was just like, this is such a beautiful way to put a button on this particular story. Um, but I also think that Mike, to your point in saying that you've heard a lot of podcasts talking about this, that a a very non-religious audience can't deny that this is such a huge part of this mm-hmm. film and how we deal with right. with grief yeah. and uh, I was like man I love this movie for for going to that place yep and for not being afraid to yeah. lift up spirituality um to not downplay it at all but in fact to have the main character's arc be all about rediscovering or uh being introduced to for the first time in a real way spirituality and how beautiful it can be and I was just like man I love this movie for this like yeah. it's it it's so helpful, um, I think, in terms of being a, a somebody who works with young people to recognize that like, no matter how hard and how and how contentious someone might be about uh, spirituality and faith, that number one, like their story isn't over yet, right? Um, but that number two, that God use God can use all sorts of things to bring people to the faith, and and we know that. Um, but I don't know. I just was like. I left the theater yeah. feeling so hopeful, even though it was such a crazy journey that everybody yeah. went on. I also think, and Clark, you could probably speak to this. Um, you could definitely speak to this better than I can. Um, but just cultural and missionally speaking, Western culture has such a separation between kind of tradition and spirituality. But in in non-Western culture... Um, tradition and and spirituality are so intertwined that it's really complicated to separate them from each other. Yeah. And I think that as yeah. as a white man um <laughs> it I thought that was a really meaningful um thing to witness. Um so Clark as our resident missiologist <laughs> um do you have any thoughts or opinions about kind of the the role of spirituality in non-western tradition? that we yeah. could take away from this. I mean, I think that's a great 
um, connection point. I mean, so when I was like watching the ending sequence, like even what you were saying, Kevin, like Shuri is kind of the classic youth kid that grows up in the church, experiences trauma and suffering, walks away and somehow makes her way back. You know, we, we all see that in terms of like the um, like what I what I saw from the film was and you guys said this, like they were not shying away from the spiritual. I think that's reflective of some of the shift we're seeing Um uh, you just, what, what's the term like demographically or just culturally in our, in our modern Western secular world where there's just been like, we tried the whole atheism, scientific tech technological worldview. And like the world is burning. It feels like, uh, like quite literally in some ways with global warming, whatever you think about that. But, um, but it's not working. And so what I've seen, at least in like cities like mine in San Francisco, there's this return back to spirituality of some sort. Um, like everyone seems like they're trying to grasp for some sort of spiritual meaning or coping or processing. And, and I think to your point, Mike, some of that might be because in separating ourselves out from the spiritual and tradition, um, and in, in the modern world, like we've lost a lot of those historical roots that our people have come from, because it's not like, it's not like white Westerners have always been these atheistic scientific peoples, right? We all come from like every culture stems from some traditional roots that have spiritual meaning and significance. Um, and I feel like some of the modern grasping for spirituality, so to speak, is some of that, like trying to regain what was lost um, through, you know, enlightenment period, post-modernity, all that. Um, in terms of like other cultures too, like I think that's something we also see. Like I think Kevin and I see this with Asian cultures where there are definite religious roots in our culture. And when students and college students and then just young people go through that process of growing, let's say like being enlightened out of their religions, like that's kind of the, the phraseology people use today. Um, they feel this sense of loss of identity of who they are. And what we often see is like there's this return to their cultural roots, which also requires return to spiritual roots that so often happens when people start. Usually it's like when they start getting married and having their own family and having their own kids and realizing like, oh, I actually want to raise my family in the cultural traditions and roots that I was raised in. It's going to look different because I don't believe everything necessarily. But but it's just something that's interesting. A lot of people will talk about like in the immigrant churches you'll see this circling back um, of, of, of people into immigrant or, or at least ethnic churches um, once they start having kids. And I think it's just kind of reflective of like something that the West, uh, is, and I think even just like liberalism today misses, is that you can't separate the two. Like there are so many cultural and religious things together um, and in fact, for, you know, the Western liberal progressive agenda to, you know, tear down all religion for this modern moralistic view of the world today is actually kind of a new form of imperialism, uh, cultural imperialism to rid the world of, of their dogmatic religious beliefs. Um, uh, like it's okay if you have something that's mildly spiritual, but it's, if it's dogmatic, then you're you're bigoted, you're ignorant, you know? Um, and I think that's just, that's kind of honestly a new form of cultural imperialism, ironically, still coming out of the West. Um, 
So there's so much I think we could say more <laughs> yeah. to that, but yeah. this is about what kind of forever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will say also because we're dealing with such a significant death, you have this sort of cultural allowance, so to speak, for talking about these spiritual issues. That when it comes to death or funerals or things like that, right, like people right. almost expect there to be a spiritual element. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I could think about it. Like Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man's funeral was so different from T'Challa's funeral. Right. The way yeah, that everybody deals with grief and, and death and all that kind of stuff, you know? Um, but I also... Well, it's interesting just to interject, how do they deal with it there? It's a holographic message he's left behind. Mm-hmm. That's the voiceover that's going right. on. And like that's kind of the extent of the dealing with the grief they do for him. Right, right. Which is technology. Technology, yeah, exactly. And I think, especially in in San Francisco, Clark, where you are, like, yeah, the the big technology companies that were supposed to pave the way for a new future for us. I mean, mm-hmm. what major layoffs, like yep. massive disruption in the the crypto world. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I mean, it's, that's kind of what it's I mean. The crazy, yeah. Like, technology <laughs> clearly is not what's going to get us to uh, the place where we need to be um, as as a as a human race. And so, it's interesting to see that happening, and we'll see what the long term effects of all that is but i, I want to uh speak to this real quick so i saw a twitter thread a, a while ago from a funeral director and basically it was this idea that like he was basically trying to tell people that there's this idea that when somebody passes away they often tell the the people like if they know they're like slowly dying from a disease or something they'll like tell their family and friends like hey don't don't be sad like don't don't do this sad funeral like i want you to to celebrate my life and he was basically saying that as a funeral director, like he's watched families struggle with how to do this because you actually can't like it's be sad. joyous and, and <laughs> yeah, and like throw a party for somebody who's just passed away because you need a space to process through the grief. You need to literally go through the, a grieving process in order for this to be meaningful at all. And so he was just saying that like, he tells people that if you have no idea how to do this, there are traditions that can help us through this. And he'll walk through a Protestant sort of uh, a funeral program. He'll walk them through a Catholic one. He'll walk them through a Muslim. Like he'll walk them through various different kinds of faith traditions, but they all have this sort of spiritual foundation. And he was saying like, we actually cannot do this without some form of spirituality walking us through this. And I thought that was so powerful. And and I think that speaks to what the theme of the movie is, that you have to have have a spiritual foundation in order to go through this. Well, even T'Challa's funeral, like mm-hmm. they're dancing and celebrating in the streets. Right, right. Like I just thought that was such a stark contrast, which which was interesting to me. I think for most, I was kind of reflecting even in the, that short moment for most like modern Western viewers, like especially more scientific or atheistic viewers, there there was probably some jarring bits there. Of yeah. Like how, why are they celebrating? Like, and the family is so clearly still grieving. Um, but, you know, for me viewing as like both a Christian, but also someone like understanding the roots of different cultures, I was like, that like kind of makes sense. Cause that's even how other traditions will throw their funerals. Um, like it looks like a party, but that's how they're grieving. And yet also sending this person off into the afterlife. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting too, that like, they were all wearing white. They're all wearing yeah. White, I don't know right, if you caught black. that. I yeah. thought that was interesting nope. because yeah. in, in a lot of nope. Asian cultures, white is also, symbolic right. uh, a, a symbol for for death and so i thought that was interesting and i was like oh that's really cool yeah yeah i mean it, it kind of brought me back to some of the traditional chinese funerals i've been to 
where like there's music playing you know there's the some of them will even have like the um uh like the the big symbols and the gongs going um like it, it feels celebratory but then you see the family in the front just like weeping and grieving because that's their way of processing how do you send this person into the afterlife and i feel like just with that theme of death like there was another line in the film where once i heard it, i was like oh my gosh that's like so like christian and kingdom-minded it's when um the queen goes to visit Nakia in Haiti and she says, you know, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I didn't come back to the funeral. And like, she says this one line, she says, you're Wakandan, which means death is not the end. Like yes. wherever you are, death is not the end. Yeah. I was just like, yep. wow. Like, and she's wrestling with the fact that she feels like she's been away from Wakanda for so long. She's lost that part of her. But the queen was just reminding her, like, that's who you are. And if that's who you are, then these are the beliefs we hold. Like, this is what we carry with us. And so even in, grieving over T'Challa's death like she can't have hope and I was just like how how much more Christian can you get in a line in a film without being so explicit about it like I just so that was good. so beautiful to yeah. me yeah yeah one so of good. the um one of the people in my young adults group who I went to see the movie with uh lost uh, a family member in the last year and has really struggled um ever since and afterwards was talking with this person and they said um, I've really had a difficult time since, you know, this person passed and, um, watching Black Panther Wakanda forever was really therapeutic and cathartic for me. And I haven't been in, in this good of a mental health space in processing my grief, um, for a long time. And so they were basically just saying like watching this movie helped them, acknowledge like i can't just wish my grief away Mm. i can't just pretend that it's not there i need i need to i need to grieve and you know burn the the funeral clothes and (laughs) go through i need to go through the process and Mm -hmm. not just rush it um and then pretend that everything's fine when it's not and so i just thought that was really um profound and um, it, in in some ways, you can talk to someone who doesn't care about MCU stuff, and they can roll their eyes and be like, "That's ridiculous." <laughs> but it's also like, yeah, and this is why we do this podcast <laughs> because yeah, yeah. Uh, what a lot of times what happens in these movies really is quite significant when you when you dig into it yeah. a bit more. Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was as I was watching the film, I was just kind of thinking like. If I'm going to choose one MCU film to tell someone to watch and process and think through a Christian lens with, it, it would be this film. Mm. Like, I don't know of another MCU film that does it more than this one. Mm. Yeah. And again, because it's so explicit in its yeah, uh, right. spiritual roots. And uh, yeah, so good. So good. Not to Jesus juke you guys, but um, <laughs> I will say, <laughs> but, uh, I will say, when it comes to that idea that, like, even though we know that for the Christian, our life doesn't end here. Um, when Lazarus dies, right? Jesus weeps. Like, why does he do that? But if not to show us that grieving is is something that we ought to do because Jesus himself does it, right? If he's our example, that's what he does. And so, um, yeah, not to Jesus juke you guys, but that's some, something I thought about as well in terms of how to connect these things together with scripture. I think it's funny how Jesus juking is such a thing that we're so disgusted by that we're hesitant to even make Jesus connections where they are <laughs> right on the surface. Jesus is the good right and better the Shuri. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, God. Now you need to apologize for that. 
but not for the other part you said. <laughs> well, hey guys, we are uh, pushing the limits on this episode. So super size episode for Thanksgiving. Super size episode. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Thanks for watching in. Um, let us know how you thought about the film, how you're processing, what other, you know, just theos reflections you're coming out from it. I think, uh, as we always talk about on the podcast, consuming media uh, can point us one way or another. And if we're processing with a worldview of God and his kingdom in mind, it can point us to him uh, in healthy ways. So uh, please reach out, leave us a review, send us some questions. We'll do a grab bag listeners question episode in the future and we'll have the giveaway. We promise we will actually do that. Um, so check us out, Twitter, Instagram, at Thanos of Theos. Email us with any questions, ThanosTheos at gmail.com. And again, for any more Gracefield Gospel Center Bible-saturated resources for youth ministry, go to rootedministry.com. Thanks, everyone. Gobble, gobble. Imperious Rex. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thanos to Theos, part of the Rooted Network family of podcasts. For more resources designed to equip and encourage you to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ, be sure to find Rooted on the web at www.rootedministry.com. <laughs> Dude, we didn't talk about Riri Williams at all. Uh, we did not. No, we didn't. I, it's just too much. Real quick, though, what'd you guys think? She felt a little bit tossed like a in, toss right? Aside. Yeah. I was yeah. like, dang it. And I thought her armor sucked. <laughs> yeah, it didn't I did good. not like her design. I wish I it was a little was more kind of traditionally ex- Iron Man. I was excited. You guys know that I was excited for Riri. Williams. I know you were super yeah. excited. I but, was too. Um, I was I too. Thought, I thought her armor was not great. Her first, was, I, I, her first was design was cool. And you know how she like had to go up into the sky and was about to lose oxygen. I was like, oh, so parallel with Iron Man one. So and yeah, his armor freezing. I was like, this is fantastic. And then her work, new Wakanda armor was there. Yeah. It was, it was, it was too cartoony. It was way too yeah, cartoony for me. Cartoony. Yeah. I just felt like because they were trying to stuff so much into this film with that, it just felt like it didn't do justice to like you're supposed to feel the gravity of like this girl, you know, reverse engineered an Iron Man suit. She's a genius, but there's also this carrying on the legacy of Tony Stark because like her intro in the comics is also yeah, they, after Tony. They Stark never dies. even mentioned Tony whatsoever. They never mentioned that. Like so, there's just like I just feel like that they, was that frustrating. Was Wait, doesn't she have a Stark uh, blueprint or something? Am I crazy? She does, but like she doesn't. Well, but say yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything. She's not like, well, I did this because I love Tony Stark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There isn't like, that it's connection. Just there. Yeah, it's just you there. You see it. That's true. Yeah, I, well, and it's like Queen Ramonda dies for the girl, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, but you got to leave all this behind. See ya. <laughs> Go back to college." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, I don't think that would happen. I yeah. don't think that's the way and, that would yeah, go. Yeah, that's part of the movie being a little messy for me. It's just kind of overstuffed. That was on same. that stuff. I'm glad she's a, a character that exists in the MCU, but. Um, it just was not yeah. done the way it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah.